Hi, this is Jesslyn Etchell, and I'm chatting with some of my favorite women in a series called Wildish Wise Women, Conversations with Everyday Goddesses. It's my passion to connect women and remind us that supporting one another is our greatest strength. These discussions are an extension of the in-person women's circles I lead in the Bay Area, and we'll explore a variety of topics. Thanks for joining us. Today, I am so excited to talk to Lena Schmidt. She's going to talk to us about yoga beyond the mat. So whether it's exploring the local trails, playing pretzel on the yoga mat, or diving into a book on inner peace, Lena loves an adventure. You can find her teaching yoga in San Diego, leading retreats near and far, and empowering others to be the change they wish to see in the world. The spiritual aspects of yoga have aided Lena in the never-ending search for peace, calm, and positivity within, and she's passionate about sharing these tools with others. She is intentional about taking yoga off the mat and loves finding the bridges between the heart and the mind, the individual and community, and mindfulness and expression. She is also an avid hiker, happiness seeker, feminist, and proud owner of an adorable dog named Clementine. And you can follow her. I'll put the links there. And you can see pictures of cute Clementine. (laughs) Welcome, Lena. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be chatting with you today. Yay. Um, So Lena's going to talk to us about taking yoga beyond the mat, both literally and figuratively. So we'll talk about taking yoga into nature and how yoga and activism are connected, which is really cool because those are two things that she's super sweet at. But before we launch into that, I would just like us to, um, you and I, uh, connect with a few breaths and then anyone that's listening can join in. We'll just take a big inhale through the nose. And exhale out the mouth. A couple more like that, creating space for connection. And a beautiful collaboration together. May each woman who needs the wisdom of this call find her way here. May we speak from the heart and create a wave of peace that radiates out on a global level. May each woman remember her sacred nature and feel the value of her presence in this world. Lena, what's your favorite thing about being a woman? (laughs) Ah, I really enjoy being a woman. Um... I think more and more as I as I get older, my favorite thing about being a woman is getting to know my body uh, more intimately. You know, it's the same body that I've had since I was a little girl, but just growing up and seeing how it changes and, and it's still containing me and it's still um, allowing me to dance and do yoga and carrying me through life. Hooray. Sounds good. Well, I would like to start by you just kind of chatting a little bit about your yoga story. Yeah, sure. Um, so I grew up doing dance and gymnastics, and the more I learn about yoga, I wish I had grown up doing yoga. It's funny, there's so many people that did dance or gymnastics or something like that, and then they kind of find their way to yoga. I find that really um, common pattern. Yeah, I always tell people I I went progressively less competitive. So gymnastics <laughs> was intentionally competitive and uh-huh. 
Uh, and I'm so grateful that I have that background. And then dance was supposedly not competitive, but you know, you're always like trying to get this part or that part in the show or mm -hmm. who can kick their leg higher. And I truly love dance and it is definitely what guided me to vinyasa yoga, the flowiness and the fun um, connection with the music. But for me, uh, coming from like jazz and modern dance, I really found yoga to be intentionally not competitive. And so, I mean, I, tr I tried it. Um, I think I tried it in high school, like a, a hot Bikram class. And I tried gentle yoga and I thought it was very boring. And then after college, when I was looking for a way to move my body, um, it was hard to find a dance class outside of um, college, outside of like a rec center. And I lived near a yoga studio, so I tried it out and I found a teacher that I just fell in love with and, and vinyasa yoga, that flowy movement to breath connection. And I definitely just went for the physicality of it. I just wanted to move. And then I, I got really interested in, oh, I actually feel quite relaxed after class. And, um, you know, the connection with feeling less anxious. I, I grew up feeling very anxious. I still struggle with anxiety, but I noticed that the yoga was helping me to relax. And then I got interested and excited about the myths and the chanting and the mudras. And it continues to be a, an exploration and unfolding. Yeah, and your classes really incorporate all of those things. Um, the ones that I took, I remember you always guide us through, um, yeah, like you said, a mudra. And you just incorporate all of the things that I guess is what you loved about it, right? <laughs> yeah, and that took a while. I've been teaching now for a little over five years and practicing for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I did not start out teaching that way, but more and more I, I intentionally incorporated all that stuff. And I took lots of workshops and trainings, and I still do, but I loved that, so, that stuff so much that I, I wanted to incorporate it into my teaching, even though it was challenging at first and a little... Um, scary to sing in front of people or to like, I don't know how people are going to react if I teach them this mantra or this mudra, this hand gesture. Yeah. But like you, people often remember that and they like it. So I keep pushing my own self to learn more so that I can offer more. Yeah. Thanks for saying that because, uh, well, I needed to hear that today. But <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to know that even if it's something that we love, we don't always know if it's going to be well received by the rest of the people, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, one, one, I have a background in women's studies. That's what I got my master's in. And one quote that's always stuck with me from my um, academic reading is, I don't remember who said it, but someone said like to stand up for what's right, even if your voice shakes. Mm -hmm. And, and when, you know, I brought that onto the yoga mat into my teaching of like, yeah, I'm really nervous to sing this right now or to share this translation of an ancient chant, but it's meant a lot to me. So maybe it'll spark one other person in the room and that'll be enough. So here I go. And even if my voice shakes, I'm going to offer it. Oh, I love that. Well, that's a great transition into just this whole idea of taking yoga beyond the mat. 
and and that title just really references the fact that you actually do love to take people out into nature to do yoga. <laughs> I sure do, yeah. Yeah, and then also you're you're doing these other elements of both your practice on your mat and and then out in the world that are related to yoga, but maybe people don't always see them as related to yoga. So let's just start with nature as as um, our first kind of path that we'll take. And for you, why is nature a good complement or maybe even like a, a stage for yoga? You know, why, why do they go well together? I lead yoga retreats, so yoga and hiking or yoga and rock climbing. So mm-hmm. I like to do those kind of adventurous things, and I know other people do too. So they complement each other because, like you said, uh, nature can be a stage for yoga. Mm-hmm. Just the other day, I uh, I didn't have time to make it to a studio class, even though I love studio classes. And I had about 30 minutes, so I went and found a nice flat spot on the cliffs looking out over the water. I wasn't on the sand. And I just did whatever movements felt good to me. And so because I had that flat spot, uh, I just followed my intuition and was like, what does my body want to do right now? And so it was a physical stage of okay, this is my mat. I don't have my mat with me, but I have the rock and I have this beautiful view and I could hear the waves crashing. And so I kind of tried to sync that up with my breath. And whenever I go camping, which I try to do often, I find a nice flat rock or a flat spot where I can unroll a mat that I don't mind getting dirty mm-hmm. and do yoga um, out there where the air is so fresh. And so taking the deep breaths uh, not only acclimates me to the elevation where I might be camping at higher than sea level, um, and that helps to reduce headaches and all the um, effects of elevation, but it also just brings that really fresh air into my lungs so fast. And for me, yoga has been so rejuvenating, like just moving and undoing the creaks in my body and my muscles that get tense. And then combining that with the fresh air and the elements that I notice around when I'm practicing outside, like, oh, I might reach my arms up and then look up and notice I'm under a beautiful tree or the sky is really gorgeous that day. Um, And I may not have looked up if I wasn't doing yoga. So as a stage, it's it's wonderful. If you haven't tried it, go outside. (laughs) Try a few (laughs) sun salutations. Yeah, it's... it's, uh... Well, and it's, I think it's very different than, like you say, studio classes, because of course, like you said, those are lovely, you really enjoy them, but there's, um, I, I imagine there's a, an element of having to remain flexible as well, um, not just within your body, but within your <clears throat> mind too. Like you said, I find a rock and that's the place where I do my <laughs> yoga. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And for me, learning to be flexible, mm-hmm. not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, has been such a lesson of yoga and nature. Both have taught me to be flexible. So if I'm planning to go on a hike and, you know, it's raining that day, do I still go? Maybe I can grab my raincoat and still go and just make sure I have the grippy shoes. And um, And I'm remembering right now that we actually had to reschedule this podcast, which I was totally fine with me because (laughs) you led a retreat and you said it was really, really windy. And so I had to really project. And you said, so my voice is not really where I would like it to be today. Can we reschedule? (laughs) That's exactly right. And teaching yoga outside, I have to really step up my game of 
let's make being flexible really fun because right. <laughs> this is where we are. Everyone else. <laughs> yeah. And that's helped me be yeah, yeah. flexible as well. Uh-huh. And people are always up for it. But you know, when you are practicing on the ground rather than on like a beautiful bamboo floor or whatever's in the studio, uh, you know, there's going to be maybe an ant that crawls across your mat or a gust of wind that knocks you over in a balancing pose. And so it's a really cool way to really embody the metaphor of go with the flow and trust your body is something we say as yoga teachers. I say that often and it's like, well, what does that mean when I'm outside and the wind blows me over? How do I trust myself? Um, And it's so it's a good practice of like, I get back up, I practice resilience, I try it again, or I do something a little differently this time. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that because I, so I'm a therapist also, and I always say that therapy is like practice for the real world. <laughs> so when we sit in the therapeutic session and in that room together, we're just practicing for what you might do on the outside. And I feel like that's sort of what yoga does for us as well. So when we practice being flexible at yoga in nature, then when something in life pops up we can say oh right I remember I can be flexible (laughs) definitely and I'm always trying to figure out as a yoga teacher if I need to say that kind of thing and I do say that kind of thing on the mat I um, take the words of one of my first yoga teacher who said that these yoga poses are simulated stressful situations so you get in this Mm -hmm. bind or you get in this challenging spot and your teacher's asking you to hold there and be still and breathe and what you notice is what comes up do you feel angry do you really want to get out do you get out like what happens it's just about the noticing it's not about judging yourself Um, but it's simulated so then it's like okay so next time I'm in a tricky spot off the mat maybe I'm in a I'm annoyed on the road or someone took that parking spot that I thought I was going to get notice what comes up I've been doing some research and learning more about how trauma affects the body. I did a prison I yoga. I saw you were reading, yeah. sorry, the, the Bessel van der Kolk book. It's a good uh, one. So It so is good. such a good one. And so... You were saying you did the prison yoga. Sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, you. the prison yoga project and just learning more about how our experiences get stuck in our bodies. And like, I've learned that in... Um, kind of in relation to the chakras and how our energy flows and gets right. stuck based on what we've experienced. But to me, that's, that's really, that's really taking yoga off the mat. I don't remember exactly where I was going with this train of thought, but it was <laughs> uh, something about the simulated stressful situations. And so yeah. we take it, you know, it's not going to be perfect every time you are going to get angry. I get angry. I get frustrated. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, but it's, I think I was going to say, but it's about learning to slow down a little bit and maybe ah, take that breath before reacting Mm -hmm. and, you know, having a little self-compassion like, Oh, my balance was off today. I fell over in the tree pose we were doing or like, Oh, that crow. I thought I got that crow pose, that hand balance last week, but I can't do it today. Mm -hmm. And instead of going right to what I do, the automatic negative thoughts of like, well, I'm, I'm no good. I'm no good at yoga. I must not be good at life. Like I suck in general, you know, this train of that happens so quickly, huh? (laughs) So quickly. And so, uh, you know, maybe that happens on the mat, but 
if it happens on the mat, it probably also happens off the mat. Um, and so for me, learning to kind of backtrack and instead of going down that spiral, just backing it up and taking that breath and just really slowing down. And I'm practicing it every day, all the time. Um, and it doesn't always work out how I hope it will. But having that compassion to say, okay, I messed up this time. Or, okay, <sighs> I didn't get it today, but maybe I'll get it tomorrow. Or whatever, this is where I am today. Right. And I actually saw um, Vessel Vanderkolk up in San Francisco earlier this year, and he oh, said wow. that based on his research that yoga was better for trauma than uh, like therapy groups and a certain <laughs> type of medication. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm just about a little for halfway through the book and the space, the part I'm at now is where he's talking about that exactly and how beneficial breathing is and how beneficial, you know, getting back in touch with your body, mm -hmm. um, which is very validating for me as someone who has uh, thought so much and worried so much about how to take yoga off the mat and how to bring feminism to life and how do I live my feminism and how do I be a social justice activist while still making a living and um, and for me finding yoga teaching as a career path was very like oh this is what I want to <laughs> do this brings together a lot of my passions but learning even more about about trauma specifically and how beneficial yoga and breathing can be it's very validating like i said because it's like ah this is a form of activism mm, i love that uh, yeah well um, let's yeah let's dive a little bit deeper into there because i think this is kind of a hot button topic right now i mean not just because of our political climate obviously that's a mm -hmm. huge huge piece of it but yeah, um, You know, I've heard some people say, well, yoga is not political. Then you look at someone like Sean Korn, who's well-known yoga activist, and she's like, it, how could it not be political? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think you and I are probably going to land on that end of the spectrum. Yeah. And so obviously we'll be talking to either the people who are curious or the people who agree with us. <laughs> um, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, tell me, I mean, you said, you know, women's studies and you consider yourself a feminist. And um, yeah, just tell me a little bit more about what that has, how that's unfolded for you to be an activist yogini. Yeah. Well, first of all, just calling myself a yogini, honoring that, um, that heritage of a, I'm claiming my womanhood, a yogini is a woman who practices yoga. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, it's been, uh, yoga teaching that has been most activist for me. And I'm still trying to figure out how to make that more of a reality that I can say, yes, I'm an activist yogini or I'm a, I'm a feminist yogini. But for me, um, you know, the wonderful thing about yoga is a yoga class, for example, is that we all come in and we lay out our mats and we're on this physical, even playing field, mm -hmm. you know, uh, perhaps I'm standing while the students are sitting or, or, you know, perhaps there's a slight change in dynamic, but in general, we're all in this together. I don't know if it's a lawyer walking in or someone who's homeless walking in. Everybody is in there to breathe. So we all have this um, same intention, usually, of, 
I want to leave a little more relaxed than when I came in. Mm -hmm. And so as the person who holds that space, I feel strongly that not only is it my my role to hold a safe space where everyone feels that they can, you know, safely close their eyes if they choose to, or take a nap if they need to, or move their body in a challenging way. But I also feel that it's the responsibility of the person, and in this case, it's me standing at the front of the room, um, to, to say something about the state of the world. And that that could be very, um, like, uh, I can't think of the word, overt. It could be very overt, as in, uh, you know, the day of the election, I was crying, all of my students were crying, and it was just like, well, I got to say something. Um, but I also try to do that in, um, in smaller ways, such as the quotes that I choose to share in class. Um, more and more, I try to choose... Women, uh, quotes by women of color. Like sometimes I'll read bell hooks in class and, and it's usually a quote that like everybody can get behind something about love or <laughs> compassion. But, um, for me to bring, to intentionally bring in the voices, uh, of people who maybe aren't teaching a yoga class all over the world. Um, I feel, well, I have that, like I have the stage a little bit, mm -hmm. so I have the responsibility and I try to do it in smaller ways, like the water bottle that I bring in, um, have a sticker on it that has the, the human rights campaign sticker. So it's an equality symbol. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for someone who doesn't know what that is, they might not care at all. But perhaps there's a student who hasn't come out or grew up in a small town where they didn't feel safe coming out um, to their families. And to see that symbol hopefully to them that represents, ah, I'm in a safe space. I can be myself. And that teacher's got my back. Uh, human, human rights campaign is for, for gay rights, LGBT rights. And, um, yeah, so I try to do it in small ways and, and this is a debate. Definitely. Like you said, like some people say yoga is not a political space. And then Sean Korn's like, it totally is. And I, I definitely agree with her. Um, I think yoga is for everybody and that it sounds like nowadays is a political statement <laughs> that we all deserve safety and, um, you know, understanding our own bodies and healing and grieving in our own ways. Um, and so I teach a class sometimes for yoga teacher trainings that's all about seva yoga, so yoga of service and karma yoga. And we have this discussion and I put it out there. I say, do you agree or do you disagree that as the person who's speaking in the yoga room, usually the only person speaking in the yoga room, does the teacher have a responsibility to stand up for justice? And the room is usually split half and half. People say, you know, they don't have a responsibility. Like it's just a yoga class. People came in there to exercise and, and they don't need the, like maybe they're trying to get away from like the news and all that. They don't need that brought in. Um, and then the other half of the group usually says, yeah, that's the person speaking. So they have the power and with power comes responsibility and therefore, they have a re responsibility to say stuff. 
Um, Some people say like, well, they, yoga teachers don't have more of a responsibility than any other regular person does. And I would say, I think that there is a responsibility um, because of the power dynamic in the class. And let me just say, it's quite easy to bring in, you know, uh, I don't know a better word than political because that's the, that's the catchphrase these days, but it's quite easy to bring in themes that, that seem to be political. So it's easy to theme a yoga class based on water. We can talk about flow. We can talk about the fluidity of the breath, of the movement. Maybe you play ocean sounds in the background and, um, and then you bring in some quote or some idea about what's going on with clean water. And by the way, did you know there's uh, activists putting their lives on the line um, in the Dakotas against the Dakota Access Pipeline? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it could be something like that, or it could just be, let's take a moment and honor the importance of water and all the gifts of Mother Earth. I love your ideas. I, I love how it's big and small because I oftentimes feel like I don't do enough, but just you talking about yeah. your sticker on your water bottle, I'm like, well, that, oh yeah, like that could mean a lot to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a small I struggle. gesture. Yeah. I struggle with that. Am I doing enough, uh, as well? Mm-hmm. And so I try to do small things like that at the very least. Right. Um, and then at the most, when I, when I have the opportunity, I offer yoga, um, seva yoga. So I don't ask for money. So I volunteer teach yoga at a few places. Um, currently I teach for, uh, in San Diego, there's an after school program called outdoor outreach and they, they bring kids out. Um, they do like rock climbing and hiking and skiing and all kinds of outdoor activities and, Every month or every few months, we we do a yoga class outside um, as weather permits. And most of the students, middle school and high school, uh, are students who don't have a lot of experience outside. Um, usually in San Diego, they're refugees or Latino students, um, inner city students. And so going outside can just be such a change of pace and such a, a relief a uh, nice well, slowing so down for kids we're asking kids to sit in a chair all day and that's really not <laughs> what any of yeah. us are meant to do <laughs> yeah and so uh I'll do like an hour yoga class with them and we'll it'll be very fun and playful but I give them challenge poses and so I volunteer for them and then um I haven't been going regularly but I'd like to go back I was teaching yoga about once a month for adult students who are refugees in an English learning class. Oh, um, cool. I started out back when I was in college, I was volunteering with the International Rescue Committee uh, at an after school program for teens, um, just as a mentor, like catch up with school because many of them like lived in refugee camps and then finally they've come to the US and then they're thrown right into <laughs> like sophomore year of high school and be ready to ace all your tests. And so that was a mentoring program that was really um, tutoring and really helpful. And so I wanted to stay in touch with 
um, refugee students. And so I started volunteering in an adult English learning class. And again, I was tutoring. And then as I became a yoga teacher, I would come in and teach um, just 45 minutes to an hour yoga class. And these students don't speak English. And so, you know, we would make it a fun vocabulary lesson of like twist. And it's very embodied. So I would demo really big twist mm-hmm. to the side and, and then stretch and reach and relax. And, you know, that's the most fun yoga class I ever have taught because like everybody's laughing and smiling and the body has such a universal language. And so I didn't need the English or even the Sanskrit um, to teach a class like that. So although I teach many studio classes and I lead the retreats and I definitely teach a lot and privates in order to financially make this my career. Whenever I can, I love to offer yoga for free to people who may not be able to make it into a studio class. Um, and to me, that's activism. Uh, and that's also and, making yoga for everybody, like you said, for, it's not just for the people yeah. that can pay for a studio membership and wear Lululemon pants. Yeah, <laughs> which, you know, studio classes are totally transformative. And oh, they're amazing, yeah. If I could offer those for no cost, that would be amazing too. Yeah, yeah, I realize, I mean, yoga is a business. Like you said, you're making your living as a yoga teacher, so do studios. <laughs> I mean, they have to make money as well. Yeah. But there's a balance so that you can, you know, do the things you need to do to survive in the world, but also to give back. Yeah, and lots of studios are doing... Um, those small gestures, you know, I've Mm -hmm. seen some studios put up the signs lately that say what should have been assumed, but, but nowadays needs to be said outright of like, everyone is welcome refugees and every, every color and Mm -hmm. everyone is welcome here. And I see, um, I see some studios doing like donation based classes or, um, a class as a benefit for Planned Parenthood and, um, yeah, different especially right of, now when, when funding, yeah. is, you know, we just don't know that's, that's, I actually teach at a donation based studio in San Jose and we're often oh, doing, oh. um, fundraisers and, and sending money both into our, you know, community here, but also around, um, mm-hmm. you know, whatever's needed. That's so. so great. Yeah. It's very cool to be a part of something like that. Well, I, I'm curious because, I mean, you really do a lot and um, I don't want to necessarily use this, I was going to say pressure, but I feel like maybe expectation, like it sounds like you place a lot of expectation on yourself and your practice for um, what you bring <laughs> to the community and what you bring to the world. And I think that's beautiful. I'm curious how you take good care of yourself along this path. Yeah. You're right on. Uh, Way way to recognize that. Um, I do a lot of different things for self-care. I I love to practice yoga. Um, That's the thing about teaching full-time is sometimes I'll teach three or four classes in one day and then I'm like, hmm, what do I like to do to relax? I like to go to yoga. Um, So as much as I can, I make it to a class a few times a week and if I don't have um, time in my schedule, I, I do yoga for myself um, at my house or outside. Um, and I journal every day. Uh, it's the first thing I do in the morning. I do morning pages inspired by the great book, The Artist's Way, oh, which is awesome. really 
yeah. all about creating creativity and tapping back into your inner artist. And so my morning routine is very precious to me. Uh, sometimes I have to set my alarm for 5 a.m. to make it to do everything that I like to do, but it really sets my day um, and helps me just show up in my life for my friends and my family and to be the best teacher I can be. So I like to drink tea in the morning, journal. I've started adding sketching. I don't know why. It's been a new thing for me. Every morning I do a little sketch. And I read a lot. Um, and I see a therapist. I go to hypnotherapy. That's been really transformative. Oh, um, cool. Guided visualizations mm -hmm. and learning about tapping. EFT has been really helpful. And... Um, I mean, getting outside, like I really, all this stuff that I'm talking about that I teach is really because it has helped me like, oh, I feel more myself when I go out in nature. Maybe someone else will like to go on a hike too and get out of their heads and really connect with the earth. And so there's so much uh, authenticity that comes with that when you are sharing the things that work for you instead of just telling someone you should do this. <laughs> yeah. I agree. And, you know, it's, it's still a journey because I'm still figuring out, well, what is enough? Mm -hmm. Like on, on the retreats, for example, like, is it enough just to bring people outside? And that's kind of what I'm, what I'm realizing is that it is enough instead of like, well, I also need to do a workshop on chakras and I also need to teach them <laughs> this breathing technique. And, um, all of that stuff is, is good. Um, but it actually, the feedback that I get, I always ask for feedback after retreats and the feedback is just being here was what I needed. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> laughing because I can totally relate and I've had that same experience when I'm like, oh my gosh, it wasn't enough. And then when I ask people like, what did you, what do you like or what did you need or was there something else? And it's like, no, I'm just, just being here. So that was good. <laughs> it's like the community, the um, the getting out of your routine, those things are really highly valuable to, yeah. to folks. So, hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm curious. Uh, oh, do you, go ahead. Were you going to say something else? I was just going to say for self-care, and this mm -hmm. is something that I am always figuring out, but nourishing food is really um, a key aspect for me to feel healthy. And that goes back to nature. And mm -hmm. I eat a plant-based diet and mostly vegan Um and so, you know, and then I treat myself to like bagel and cream cheese and I love cookies and I love ice cream and like learning to be okay with like, well, treat yourself, enjoy what you like and know what nourishes you. Um, that's something I'm always journaling about and figuring out um, in terms of self-care. It does. Yeah. Especially with the seasons, I'm learning more and more about Ayurveda and really when I listen to my body and really honor how I feel after I eat, you know, a nice salad or a roasted veggies versus how I feel when I've just stuffed my face with potato chips, it's like, okay, well, you like, I enjoyed that and I don't feel guilty about it, but my body does feel a certain way. Right. So learning to really honor that. Very nice. So I'm just one last thing that's on my mind about this is because this is uh, this podcast is centered around women. Mm -hmm. Is there anything specific that seems important about this whole yoga off of your mat thing for women in particular? 
I mean, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, I mean, I remember learning so much about, um, not learning so much, just hearing so much about love your body, love your body. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, intellectually, I, I get behind that so quickly and so easily. And like, definitely love your body. But then I would go home and like, not love my body, not, not do intentional harm, but just talk negatively or like, ugh, well, if only I looked different or if only I did this, if I looked a different way, mm-hmm. then I would love myself. Like, yeah, everybody else go on and love your body, but I'm not going to, you know, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and that was even before Instagram and so much social media. This is just, you know, all the magazines and movies and I want to look like that person and I don't. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I don't know, it even sounds cliche, but it's not of like the yoga mat is really where I learned to love my body and really get excited about the abilities of my body and like, oh, I think this is a limitation that I have. I'll never be able to wrap my arm that way. I'll just, that's not how my body works. And then through practice, learning that that's not the truth and I can, my body can change and I can move in a different way than um, the teacher or other bodies in the room. And so you know, I think men uh, are learning to love themselves and love their bodies too, but we women are especially challenged with that, with the images that we see. Societal messages are definitely stronger. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I think the yoga mat, I'm just using that as the general phrase, but like practicing yoga and really honoring what yoga means you know it's to yoke to unite Mm -hmm. to for me that means to make whole um Mm. I just put the tips of my fingers together in this mudra hakini mudra Mm -hmm. and it's just the globe and the wholeness and really feeling that enoughness that we were chatting about like it's a it's a practice it's a challenge but I think the yoga mat offers that space to come as you are and show up for yourself and learn to love all aspects of yourself, even the parts that challenge you, whether that's physical body or otherwise. Oh, I love that. So beautiful. <laughs> and now I'm doing that mudra too. I like this one. Yeah. <laughs> very calming. Uh, of course you have wonderful things coming up and people will, I will link all of the things cause you've got like a bunch of stuff. I think like Costa Rica, <laughs> Italy. I, did I see Bali? Yeah, oh my you gosh, did. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my um my intention for the local retreats that I lead here in San Diego, California, um are to really expose people to local hiking spots. So we do one day and weekend retreats that are about an hour or an hour and a half away. So it's like here you don't need to go to Bali. You don't need mm-hmm. to go to Costa Rica, but mm-hmm. Come spend the day outside. We'll feed you really nourishing vegetarian food and do two yoga classes, guided hike, meditation, and then have free time just to be um, and connect with like-minded people. Um, And then come back with your families or come back with your friends because, look, it's only an hour away and Mm -hmm. 
look how you're saying you feel so much more relaxed and you turned your phone off for the day and we're away from the screens. Um, so that's the intention of the local retreats. And then the international retreats, I'm getting more and more excited about, um, like Costa Rica, uh, I'm heading there next week. It's the place that we go is just immersed in green and nature. And the more research I do about, um, combating like seasonal depression and any kind of depression. It's that immersion in light and green and fresh air that can be so healing. It's not the only thing that helps, but it can be very healing. Um, and so I'm you hoping do to do your annual retreat with Melissa who did our podcast on meditation and mindfulness. That's right. <laughs> yes. I was looking to see who had been interviewed and I, she's one of my closest friends and this will be our fourth one coming up in December. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I just have a couple more questions for you. One of them is what's your favorite yoga pose? <laughs> my, I love, so many yoga poses, but Ardha Chandrasana, balancing half moon, where you're standing on one leg, arms extended. Um, for me, it's it feels really nice on like the standing leg hamstring, and then just that expansion always feels awesome to me. And I like there's so many variations. Like sometimes I'll reach back and hold my foot and get that back bend and quad stretch. And um, I'm. I love creative sequencing. That's back to the connection of my dance background. And mm -hmm. so when I'm practicing on my own, just figuring out where I can go from Ardha Chandrasana is kind of a fun game. <laughs> so I also love all inversions. Just going upside down for me is so beneficial and fun. Okay. And so awesome. Ardha Chandrasana. And what about one book that changed your life? one just <laughs> <laughs> the first one that comes to mind <laughs> um, Brene Brown The Gifts of Imperfection oh so good I yeah all of her stuff I do too oh so good and then who inspires you who inspires me um <laughs> is it gonna be Silly to say my dog. Um, <laughs> no. My, do my dog, Clementine, um, she's sitting right by me, which is why she came to mind. But she really does because she embodies a lot that I wish to uh, bring more into my life. You know, she completely forgives me when I leave her alone for the day. Mm -hmm. And she is so happy when I come home and just uh, wiggly and and happy. Um, and she knows how to rest. Like we went on a long hike yesterday and now today she's really mellow and curled up in a ball. And I, um, I, you know, I, I shared that morning routine for self care, but self care is hard. I'll think like, Oh, I need to do more. I need to help in this way or um, just do more. And so she inspires me to relax. <laughs> nice. And she's pretty darn cute. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, well, and I was going to ask about your favorite quote, but you shared that lovely one of speak your mind, even if your voice shakes. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, oh, that we'll one... check. 
Yeah, that one is, uh, it's really continues to sit with me more and more lately as I, as I try to be bold and say more things overtly that I care about, especially teaching. Um, I try to remember that. And, and then I think we find our audience. So if that doesn't resonate with somebody, then there's plenty of other yoga classes they can go to. <laughs> true. Yeah, very true. You know, I mean, I, I feel that way about if people are going to listen in to this or, you know, read the words that we write or, um, you know, spend time with us. We'll find the people that need to hear what we have to say. Absolutely. And that we can learn from as well. Well, thank you for sharing so much of yourself today. I really appreciate the discussion because we kind of went in so many different directions, but again, everything's connected. It's all related. And I just appreciate the work that you're doing in the world. So thank you. You're so welcome. My pleasure. I love this podcast and the work that you're doing. I'm grateful to be involved. Yay. All right. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.